Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, notwithstanding the high milk price, dairy advisor Adrian O'Callaghan and farmer Dermot Hegarty join us to debate potential savings to feed reserves by identifying and removing marginal cows from the system in this high cost year. And I first asked Dermot what stocking rate and feed demand he is running at currently. I'm farming here with my family, Catherine, my wife and our six children. Um, we're farming in Vickerstone and look, we're milking around the 200 cows. We were crossbreeding a few years ago. We're kind of, there's a maintenance of 25 euros on the herd and maybe we might be drifting back to around, keep it around 20 euros. Um, the overall milking platform stocking rate, it's actually similar to the whole stocking rate. We rear our young stock as well. And it's around the 2.5. But there's a complication in that in the sense that we gra- we graze the silage ground on the shoulders. But there's a bit of road work involved in that. So during the main season, we'd be stocked at four or four and a half. And kind of road, that, that would exclude road work, which we kind of try to keep it simple from April to, to August or so like that. So that's our system uh, as of the moment. And from a practical feed allocation, Dermot, like what is your annual feed budget that you have in mind per cow? Um, like you mentioned a, a maintenance of 25 euro. So you're kind of maybe in around the 490, kilos in terms of live weight. What is the allowance um, of feed for those animals and maybe a breakdown across the different feed products? Well, we actually, we weigh the cows every June stroke July and third lactation plus back similar to your figures would be 530 for the crossbreds, 550 for the black and white. So when you include first and second lactation to be to it correlates quite quite closely to the maintenance figures. Look on our feed budgets, look, we're running the farm for the last few years at this stocking rate. They look, we're in around the 700 kgs fresh weight of um of of concentrate about a ton dry matter of silage should you know uh, keep them going and the balanced in with grazed grass and i suppose the other thing is the cows can the cows and young stock we're talking about the cows they they can graze all of that ground so like we're not zero grazing in we're only feeding silage when they're dry as such or maybe small bit in the spring, small bit in the autumn, but typically even in the autumn, they're grazing day and night. When we hit our target cover, they come in. When they calve, weather permitting, they're out day and night as well. So it's just a dry cow is getting, I'd say 90% of the, of the so they're getting probably 100 kgs of dry matter and silage as a milking cow and probably 900 kgs as a, um, as a dry cow so I was, yeah that's that's kind of our figures as I say you know, we are running it for the last few years so we're confident enough look we can grow we'll be measuring grass look John Maher has been out here I'd say give you a course 20 years ago so like we, we're fairly confident in the figures and fairly confident in what the farm can produce and that stocking rate of 
four to four and a half across the mid-season. You know, as you mentioned, it's replicated across a number of years, so you're quite comfortable with it. But, you know, what sort of demand have you to maintain in terms of matching that with growth during the main grazing season? Uh, A demand of 80. And look, I wouldn't be quite rigid on the meal feeding. If we're a bit tight, I've no problem upping the meal to save a bit of work going on the road but if we have to go on the road during the main season we do for after grass and stuff like that we're prepared to do that as well so look there is a bit of flexibility it's four and a half but to be fair to I suppose I have the safety valve of extra ground if I'm prepared to go to it and of increasing the meal but as of the moment we're running at about 80 of a demand and that number you talk about the 200 cow mark is is the numbers that you're running Dermot are you looking to maintain cow numbers this year or, you know, have you changed things uh, given the increased input prices? Um, you know, is is that something you're addressing? My original intention, I suppose, maybe six months ago was to maybe make 20 cows or 10 to 20 cows more. Um, but then, I suppose, in practice, that would mean the more marginal cows that you'll be keeping and those marginal cows will be making you work harder because look like that now it will either increase the demand here or else you'll be a bit more time on the road and to, to just complicate the system. So like we had dried off dried off cows with the intention of cavium and colium and then look as the spring cro- progressed I suppose I played catch up that maybe cows I should have called last year or maybe the year before we were probably more disciplined this uh, spring and we were, get, we were more critical in regarding to what's worth staying around and what's worth calling. And to you, Adrian, um, you know, I guess listening to what Dermot's saying and I guess your vast knowledge of farms based on the discussion groups you work with, um, are you seeing something similar that Dermot is talking about, that discipline this year to put the spotlight on each cow and consider, is she a cow to keep or is she a marginal cow to the system? So, Emma-Louise, yeah, I suppose Dermot is in one of my six discussion groups and I suppose we put an emphasis on this when we were doing the Profit Monitor in um, in January and just to kind of give maybe a small little overview there, like when we did the figures, the, the, the variable and fixed costs for per cow were coming out at 1,840 euros. Um, and that was based on the group um, um, basically doing about 519 kgs of milk solids at 3.7 protein and, and 4.3 fat. And, and so at a payout of five euros a kg of milk solids. Like, so I suppose when we did the sum on it, then like to look at the, the whole break even milk solids and the group were were anxious to do that like when you divide that 1800 euros and uh, 1840 euros per cow by five euros it was 368 kgs of milk solids and i suppose really like at that stage we were working at five euros a kg and we were kind of knowing what was coming down the road with fertilizer prices and energy prices, I suppose the focus then came on the, the, these marginal cows and like that 
they were really only a break-even exercise in in 2022, and were 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 people were the members of the group willing to to hold them and to just break even on them and make no money and maybe put the rest of the system under pressure and um, like even. Even going forward, um, last month we, we we readdressed it and looked at it. And when you at that stage in January, like the answer was there were going to be an issue in there, and they had to be looked at, and 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 they were going to put pressure on the system, especially the high stocking rate. Now that we knew that the milk price was going to rise, maybe from five to six euros a kg of milk solids, but the costs had risen as well. Like and it's well known, like fertilizer up. 250% and feed up 100 euros a ton and so overall like the increase in the costs and energy costs fixed costs are, are probably up 68 euros a cow as I say so the total cost increase is probably going to be in the region of 540 euros a cow so add that on to our 1840 um, you're, you're coming in at somewhere around 2400 but because of the payout at 6 euros the break-even milk solids isn't all that different. It's somewhere in the region of 390 kgs. So, like, I suppose the decision last month was still to 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 move a number of cows on, um, because I suppose in the general farming scene, I suppose it's seen as with the good milk price um, that these cows should be kept, that they're going to leave a return. But when you do the sums on it, they're still not going to leave no more of a return than what they were going to do in January at, 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 at a lower milk price. So I suppose the issue then is to is to um, is to to identify these cows in the herd and, and identify what effect they'll have on 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 the feed budget as you as you mentioned to Dermot earlier on that, you know. And it's interesting you say that, um, Adrian, because you, you've given us a whole lot of figures and I think um, you've articulated it well when you would have completed profit monitor meetings in January, you know, costs were looking at somewhere in the region of 1,840 euro and that has increased dramatically and, you know, you've documented the various specific costs that are are really adding to that um, and, and, and I suppose also the base that you're talking about with the farmers you're dealing with, 519 kilograms of milk solids, so really high performers but I guess we're not all in that situation and some of us are maybe closer to the 400 mark and I suppose this this is particularly important for a, a farmer in those in in those shoes. Um, I suppose to you, Dermot, um, you know, based on Adrian's comment, you would have been in the discussion group conversations where you talk about these high costs, marginal cows, but also a really attractive milk price right now. You know, those cows that you decided to you know, maybe not retain at the outset of the lactation. How did you dampen down the temptation with the high milk price? I suppose you just have to remind yourself that, uh, well, to be fair, the cows know, look, in practice, no, we, the cows, I suppose, that we had in mind, look, they they would remind you Sometimes why you're why they're on that marginal list. Look, there might be lameness, and look, there might be mastitis. We've to be fair, we've three milk recordings done uh, this spring, so it might be cell count. Um, so and as well with the milk recording, look, I was even looking at it there. You know, you're looking at cows there that 
obviously giving the first lactation animals a year's grace because you can't judge them. But like, look, we've arranged there. We have a few ladies there that are hovering over the 400 kgs milk solids predicted for this year. And, you know, you really would be looking hard at them. You'd be certainly questioning whether they're, bothered, whether they're worth putting in calf. And or else, you know, you, you'd, you'd be looking, why is she only doing that? And maybe she's not the stock to have her own. Like the other point about it as well is those cows, look, we have to realise that, I suppose, young stock aren't making a premium at the moment. So the gap between young stock and those marginal cows is, you know, and cull cow price is quite strong. So it's, it's not very tempting this year, even with the milk price. You might get it, they might make as much of a margin by selling them as a cold cow as or maybe more than keeping you on for the rest of the year, I suppose. So it's it, it's not that tempting. I'm finding it not that tempting. And back to you, Adrian. Um, you know, in terms of feed supply and creating the feed budget, if we reflect on the first four months of the year, um, you know, where do you see grass growth? Um, say within your local area so far in 2022, if we compare it with the same four months in 2021. Yeah, look, Emma Louise, it's not it's not altogether together different. When when I went back and looked at the at the figures, um, roughly this time last year we had 1.8 ton of grass grown, um, and and when I looked at it there the other day, um, we we're 1.67 ton of grass grown. So look, we're marginally back um, um, 120 kgs of dry matter per hectare. But I suppose when you look at the fertilizer that has been spread, it's it's definitely back. Like I would say that most people are probably back 30 units on what they would have spread the year before. Um, they definitely have missed maybe the first round, the half a bag of urea, um, and some of the fertilizer has been has been replaced with slurry. So overall, I would say it's surprising enough. The, the grass growth is 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 just marginally back um, for for. Definitely a reduction in, in inputs of um, of fertilizer. And and on that, and I, I suppose to take it a step further, for somebody in Adrian's shoes who has decided not to keep those 10 or 20 cows, so that would essentially make up 10% more cows in his herd. Um, I suppose, could you quantify or or explain to us how we would go about quantifying that for our own herd, Adrian? You know, if we made the decision to cull um, a cow in the spring or or maybe now into mid-season, um, you know, compared with the standard uh, culling procedure that happens on farms once cows are scanned in August or September. Yeah. So like when we looked at it, um, there is a sa- there is a saving roughly of um, of culling a cow in April to the effect of roughly 25 ton uh, fresh weight of silage saved um, um, for, for, for the winter. And I suppose just to explain that figure it's it's twofold in effect. If I sell a cow now in April, um, she's not going to eat grass for the rest of the year because she's been re- removed from the farm. So that extra grass can be um, saved, conserved as silage. And then she move, and then that then as you move into the winter, um, that cow isn't present again to, to eat silage. So that's I suppose it's a twofold effect where that 25 ton of um, fresh weight of, of silage comes from. Compare it to the normal, I suppose, 
practice of selling the cows in September, you, you, you've only half that effect. So it's roughly a saving of 12 and a half ton of silage. And again, it's because uh, it's half because the cow is going to be there for the year and, and consuming grass. So you don't get to, to make that grass into silage. You just you just save the silage she's going to eat for, for the winter. Um, so in effect, that's the, the, the saving. And I suppose... The other side of it is when 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 uh, when um, the dairy specialists um, within Chagas here looked at looked at the uh, profit monitors uh, completed, um, and there was seven hundred and thirty odd profit monitors in 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 the in the mix when they they looked at the figures for the amount of of forage that um, I suppose people are buying in from outside and. Roughly 30, 30, somewhere between 25 and 30 percent were, were actually buying in uh, the equivalent of two bales per cow or, or a half a ton of dry matter um, of the 25 uh, percent of the 730 odd people. And really, I suppose that's where we're coming back to. Uh, if you're in a situation where you are, are buying silage on the stem, or you're, you're, you're buying silage from outside land that you have control of. Like, in effect, then, every one cow that you, you, you might decide is marginal at this stage and, and, and you sell her, you're, you're, now, you're now saving 25 tonne of, of silage. And in effect, that is going to feed for, it, for, other, for other cows, um, um, you know, right through, through the year and into the winter. So... I suppose really people have to that are buying silage from an outside source. Um, they have a number of things they need to do. They need to see that that store that source is still available, um, and that if it's not available, then maybe uh, calling. Um, um, and we're not talking about a big number here now. Like five five cows less in a herd is going to have a saving uh, of roughly 125 ton of silage like so and, and and that 125 ton will feed will feed will feed a lot of animals or replace a lot of silage that was being bought in from an outside source so i suppose that's what we're getting and not for people to take the wrong idea that we're we're taking um, a, a big call of animals. It's where we're identifying a small number of animals that will give a big saving um, on fodder uh, in a fodder budget at the end of the year. And I guess, Adrian, it's interesting what, what you say, because I guess really, if you're identifying a problem cow, as Dermot says, maybe a lame cow, a cow with consistently high cell count out of the system and you're reducing your reliance on that bought in feed, you know, you're actually potentially making a more, I suppose, self-contained, sustainable system, um, you know, by accident. Um, another thing, Adrian, um, you know, Dermot mentioned that there is flexibility in his system that, you know, if there is a situation that there is a tight week in terms of growth versus demand, he can up the concentrate. You have alluded to the fact that farmers have um, reduced the amount of nitrogen they've spread so far. Do you also see the same trend in terms of concentrate given the rise in pricing? Yeah, just, like it's just had a group there this morning, Emma Louise, and, and it was a, a topic that was discussed for a good 20 minutes, half an hour, um, feeding rates. And definitely you can see that maybe lads have come back. Maybe they're probably back a kg or, or, or one and a half kgs on, on the previous year. And I suppose the point I was trying to make to peep, uh, the lads this morning um, was like you really need to consider the the response rates to to, to to the concentrate that's being fed 
like that now that concentrate is probably in the region of 400 to 450 euros um a ton and like if you're only getting a, a response rate of 0.6 to 0.8 of a liter for every for every kg um that you feed um you're in a negative situation um whereas if you're getting somewhere in the region of a one-to-one -one response one liter for every one kg um it, it it's probably just break even like so really i think people have to probably look at at their grass supply currently now that we're into we're into the second middle of the second heading for the third rotation and 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 like look at the the grazing targets and the 160 to 180 cover per cow look at your demand figure look at your growth figure and then seriously ask yourself like um do I need that extra one or two kgs? Um, withstanding that we still have to cover for calmag and minerals and, and, and that, but like if you're stocked at four um, cows to the hectare and you have a demand of, of 60, every one, every one kg you take out, you're only increase your demand by four. So like really moving from 60 to 64 or 64 to 68 for every kg you take out hasn't a, won't have a massive um effect on your overall grass supply because like we'd expect this week we're probably growing in the 70s like you know so i suppose we really have to go back to to grazing principles and um to to look at the at ways of 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 like feeding this extra concentrate is it leaving is it leaving extra profit at the price at the moment even though milk price is good um ration is dear like you know so we need to we need to bear that in mind absolutely it is an interesting consideration and it's it's um it's great to get the the experience of the group um that you talk about from this morning and i guess an, another impact on the the supply of grass would be where you know you talk about those maybe five cows that are going to fall out of the system that grass is 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 there for grazing too and that is going to increase the supply that you have for grazing cows as well as um grass that's going to be available for silage conservation outside of um i, I guess the the feed savings adrian like are there other benefits if you identify those for example five marginal cows and remove them from the system well, I suppose the the obvious one is the is, is is the is the workload. I suppose in effect, like people are working with cows every day, so there's that effect. We've said the silage effect, the saving. Um, you know, I suppose the poor performers, like is the we've 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 said many a time, the high cell count cows and 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 the spread of uh, infection through the herd. Um, so like all these have a kind of a a side effect even late calvers and and getting them back in calf um all these bring extra workload on the system um which like them five cows probably in effect won't even get missed because they the dim last five cows in effect in effect when you look at the growing capacity of any farm um if you're growing 12 13 14 ton of grass them last five cows on most farms are probably being fed on a total silage and and and, and meal diet because um, from the stocking rate um, on on these higher stocked farms, um, if they come out, uh, you said there's more grass available to to every other cow. There's going to be more winter forage available, and it just takes the the risk out of the system 
um, out, of, out, out of the farming system in, in, the, in the current year when input prices are at an all-time high. And, and that's a good point, Adrian, the risk. And like I would say for some people, when they are getting their their bill from the merchant for fertilizer concentrate, you know, it's it's a lot bigger than it was this time last year. And reducing that risk does take away some personal stress, too, that that farmers will face, um, you know, notwithstanding the the good milk check that is coming in. And and I suppose to, to add to the point, like if if a thin five cows are sold in the market, there, there's a very strong trade for stock at the moment. And if there is a cash flow issue on the farm and there's a big bill coming for for fertilizer like that, that. The, the sale of them four or five cows will contribute massively to the cash flow and to an impending maybe fertilizer or feed bill that's coming down the road. And and to you, Dermot, in terms of uh, winter feed supplies, um, I, I read recently on one of the fodder committee um, meeting reports that, you know, uh, some farmers have uh, fodder from 2021 sitting in the yard. So I'd be interested to know, have you uh, some feedstocks in the yard from 2021? Um, and what is the plan for silage conservation and winter feed for 2022? We have not changed our plan. I suppose we had the same plan last year and the year before this year. We look, we have one pit of silage. We've reached the same point we did last year on it. So we have probably a reserve of, well, 50%. And we pl- but we plan to replace what we used last winter with what we'll cut in this summer. So we haven't really, we're sticking to the plan, I suppose, in summary. And on that, Dermot, like when you say you're sticking to the plan, same as last year, have you gone with the same sort of fertilizer strategy and will you do the same for second cut? Uh, yes. Yes, in a word. Look, we've we've tested a slurry this spring, so we're a bit more confident about what's in that. And um, and look, we have we tried a, a foliage there and one field there, a foliage spray just to see. So we are experimenting, I suppose, a small bit of looking at other options rather than just artificial fertilizer. So, but that's only a bit of tweaky around the edges. So we kind of, we have gone over the same application rates, maybe dial it back a small bit and maybe we're because we soil tested last, uh, last January. So we're, we're aware of the indexes in each um, plot. So we kind of are uh, tailoring the fertilizer usage depending on the indexes as well. And and I, I guess there's there's lots of learnings over the last few years on that, Dermot, you know, really using those soil fertility results and as you say, being smarter with the applications and I suppose first first and foremost using the slurry and then coming in with the chemical fertilizer. Finally, and last word to you, Adrian, um, what advice can you give us, uh, I mean, all of us listening to you today to ensure that we have sustained feed supply for the rest of the lactation and, you know, through the winter period to get us to next spring? Look, I think people have to ask themselves maybe one or two questions. Um, First, the people I think that are at, and, and we mentioned risk already, but the people that are at most risk um, for securing winter feed are the people that source feed outside of their control, buying um, 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 for, uh, silage on the stem. So ask yourself the question, do you purchase winter forage um, that's outside of your control? 
Um, if the answer is yes, well, have you established where it's going to come from in, in 2022? Have you approached the farmer that you usually buy it off of uh, and, and know it's there for you? Or, or do you go out on the spot market and, and just find, um, find a field from an auctioneer of, uh, of silage growing on the stem? I think that's very risky this year because I think we can see from people coming into the office here um, for um, for BPS talking to them, um, especially um, farmers in the in the game of growing silage that they are exiting that system quickly this year. They're not willing to buy deer fertilizer. They're not willing to spread the fertilizer for silage to grow a crop of silage. So. I suppose the key thing is um, establish is the silage there where uh, in the same place where you got it last year. And if it's not, then if the answer is no to that, can you reduce your demand now? And we did say like that, that in effect, that if we can, if we can um, dispose of, of, of five or six cows, that that's the equivalent of, of somewhere in the region of 100 to 125 tonne of silage. And relate that back, that's the equivalent of 12 and, 12 and a half acres, 13 acres of, 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 of silage first cut. So if that's the type of game you're in and buying 12 or 15 or 20 acres of silage on the stem, in effect, five or eight cows got sold now in April will we'll cancel each other out. And really, that's the message I, I, I would get across to people. And the second one then is that really fertilizing silage shouldn't change this year. We, we need somewhere in the region of 80 to 90 units uh, uh, made up of uh, between fertilizer and slurry to, to grow a crop of silage and not to skimp on, on, on fertilizer rates. I totally understand it's a very expensive product this year, but having to go out onto the market to buy silage or to buy feed next autumn is going to be, is going to be twofold or threefold um, more expensive to, to do that. So fertilize the crop uh, correctly. We still have time to top it up if we haven't spread equi uh, the equivalent of 80 or 90 units at this stage and, and, and ensure that we get good yields in, in the first cut silage. I think that's a really good starting point, Adrian, as you say, ask yourself those questions and 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 where is your comfort level if there is risk in uncertainty or about bought in feed? Um, Dermot, I think some of the the themes that you've highlighted, particularly that decision around retaining those extra cows in the system um, and the decision not to do it this year and, and how it has impacted on your system has been has been hugely um, interesting to hear about. Thank you, Dermot. And thank you, Adrian. Thank you. thank you. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Adrian O'Callaghan and Dermot Hegarty for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.